Hello listeners and welcome to the second half of series three of My Movie Minute, in which co-host Mark and I pick just one minute from some of the movies that mean the most to us. The clip this week does include a swear word, namely the F-bomb, so if you're listening with kids nearby, consider yourself forewarned. We love listener feedback, so please do follow us on Instagram at My Movie Minute and comment on our post telling us your movie minute. What about you, bro? What about me? Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Mostly come at night. Mostly. Welcome to episode 21 of My Movie Minute. And I'm here with Mark once again. Hello, Mark. Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's been a little while, actually, since you and I have just talked to each other. We had a an intermission episode last week, the week before we had our guest. And then before that, we had like an archive episode. So for me and you to actually sit down and talk movies, it's been almost a month. Did we have a falling out, Charlie? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Uh, we just haven't spoken for about a month about movies specifically on mic. And and boy, have I missed it. Now, we are, as listeners know, people who work in schools. And at the time of recording, we are heading out of the second lockdown. I was interested to know kind of what, whether or how your, your kind of lockdown movie watching has been. Has, has your, we, we spoke in the first episode of the series about the fact that neither of us have been to the cinema since, since us starting this podcast, which yeah. is weird. But how, how, how's, how's your kind of movie watching been during these, these kind of lockdown times? Well, I started quite early on, and I don't know if it was healthy or not, by dropping straight into watching Contagion. <laughs> the 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 Steven Soderbergh pandemic movie and what is what I found amazing about that and I didn't watch it right at the beginning but like once we knew what COVID was and while we were locked down I watched this movie and I'd seen it before so it was a rewatch but every single thing in this movie suddenly chimed like they were talking about social distancing. They were talking about our numbers. They were talking about all these words that I thought I had never heard until this year. And they were in this movie. And the, the heartbreaking thing about this movie was that even while it's a much kind of more deadly pandemic that they are experiencing in this, in this movie, like the science is so tight. And the logic is explained so brilliantly of like government action and how one is supposed to deal with this stuff that it was just depressing to read the news afterwards because I was like, that's not what they did in Contagion. Such a great film, though. So good. I know I know, it did really well at the beginning of lo- lockdown. And it is that whole kind of thing of, you know, what's in the world around you tend to you tend to focus on. But I, have, I didn't go back and watch it. It's a film I've watched before, but I, I kind of avoided pandemic movies uh, a lot. And then I and then I went back to comfort movies. So a lot of the watching was either stuff for this podcast uh, or straight up rewatches of old movies. Uh, not even old movies, just movies that I'd seen before that I that I didn't have to invest any emotional energy in because I knew how they were going to end. I didn't. I didn't want any drama. Indeed, indeed. I, I think. I think what, what we found in our household was that um, it, it was quite hard because because you. 
you know consuming a lot more movies you know got more more time at home so you're you're undoubtedly going to watch a lot more but what we found was that kind of that that choice paralysis of having so much choice and not knowing what to watch and but, but actually making that decision more frequently so almost every night watching a movie rather than maybe a couple at the weekend well i know that we talked about on this podcast is that you removed that choice from yourself because yeah. you've spoken on the podcast about you jumping on to sets of yeah movies. so we started we started started kind of like going well rather than having to make a choice every single night we'll, we'll watch kind of whole series of films um that will take us through so how much more fast and furious can we get <laughs> we didn't do fast and furious but there are so many <laughs> we did do a jane johnson uh set i endorse that i'm fine with that yeah, we watched about seven Dwayne Johnson movies back to back, including Moana. Uh, we watched a, a bunch of like the Star Wars series. We watched all the Alien movies, but the one that you recommended uh, that we did was uh, more recently was we watched a load of Hugh Grant <laughs> romcoms, <laughs> which were quite fun to revisit. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. I, I, <laughs> I supported watching uh, Hugh Grant romcoms on the basis that Hugh Grant is very good at being Hugh Grant, but. <laughs> I believe, and I, this is a hill I'm prepared to die on, I believe that we got there via me wanting you to watch everything Sandra Bullock has ever made. <laughs> yes, which we didn't do in our now house. That is, a, do- that is a lockdown crime. Okay, we didn't do a Sandra Bullock-a-thon. So, um, you know, we, we hope, we hope beyond hope that there isn't another lockdown at any point. But if there is, that'll be top of our list of uh, a thon. I want a global crisis just so that I can lock <laughs> myself in, a, in some kind of a panic room with Sandra Bullock movies. Yeah, well, that's it. But I, 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 would, I would strongly recommend people, people spend a week of their life watching Dwayne Johnson movies, So. I mean, I, I'm I'm not a big action fan, but my goodness. What is his magic trick? I watched a film with him, like, befriending a giant ape so that it could fight a giant lizard. It was absolutely yeah. bonkers. Yeah, that's one of the ones that was on our, on our Dwayne Johnson-a-thon. Rampage. Space of a computer game from the, uh, from the 90s. His, his version of, like, Die Hard, which I think is called Skyscraper as well, which is just, like... So absurdly brilliant. Nah. There's this scene in... There's this scene that's in all the trailers, and it's, like, him jumping from a beam that's suspended from a helicopter onto a window. Yeah. If you saw uh. Captain America do it, you'd be like, well, he's a superhero, but this is just supposed to be your kind of... Your, your everyman. Like, he's he's just playing, like, a, a normal person. He's, he's, he, is, he is the everyman in the same way that, that uh, Bruce Willis managed to become completely bulletproof by the end of the diehards. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't think you've got any Sandra Bullock or Dwayne The Rock Johnson on your My Movie Minute clip today. No, but I have hinted it. <laughs> you have hinted it indeed, yeah. You, you've teased it early on. I think it's a, a brilliant one this week, Mark, and it's one that I never thought we would uh, in a million years be, be talking about. Um, and, and before you... Re- you I'll you be even... honest with you, me neither. And I'll talk mm. about that after. Uh, but before you, you give us your movie minute, I just want to say thank you, because this is a film that I I had not considered re-watching, um, having watched it about probably... 20 years push, ago? Pushed push on 20 years ago. Never even occurred to me to go back and watch it. I watched it last night. And oh my goodness, is it a good film. And so first of all, thank you for choosing this minute. Uh, in our My Movie Minute style, can you uh, give the minute without any giveaways to see if people can guess what movie we're talking about? And we've teased it a little bit there as well. And then on the other side of that, we will hear the clip 
and hear your reveal. A grey-haired man patiently waits while a red-haired woman rants. The grey-haired man nods. The woman rants. The grey-haired man smirks. The woman rants. The grey-haired man puts a piece of paper down on a desk. The red-haired woman picks up the piece of paper and rants while reading. She stops ranting. Oh, what's up? I, uh, I have your bonus check. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, now, uh, I want you to be prepared. It's, uh, the figure's not exactly what we discussed. Why not? Because after careful consideration, I felt that figure was not, uh, appropriate. Although you may not agree, uh, you have to trust my uh, experience and judgment. You want me to trust you? Do me a favor, Ed. Don't use big words you don't understand. It's a complicated issue, Aaron. You know, I did a job. A you should reward me accordingly. It's not complicated. You know what? That is the fucking problem. All you lawyers do is complicate situations that aren't complicated. Do you know why people think all lawyers are backstabbing, blood-sucking scumbags? Because they are. And you know, I cannot believe that you were doing this to me now when I'm up to my ass in Kettleman plaintiffs, which, by the way, looks like it's going to be double the amount that we had in Hinkley. And you expect me to go out there, leave my kids to be looked after by strangers, knock on doors, get these people to trust you with their lives, and the whole time you're screwing me. I want you to know something, Ed. It is not about the number. It is about the way my work is valued in this firm. It's about how no matter what I do, you're not... As I was saying, um, I decided that uh, the figure you proposed was uh, inappropriate. So I increased it. Okay, so let's go straight into the reveal, Mark. So I'm excited to talk about this. What movie have we just heard a clip from? It's goddamn Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Aaron oh, Brockovich. So much love for Aaron Brockovich in my heart. Like, it, uh, we've talked about like directors we would live with, you know, directors' bodies of work we would live with. And mm. I keep on coming back. We've been here in this series already. Uh, I yeah. keep on coming back to Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, I think I think he's he's. You're fast revealing him as your favorite director, Mark. To our listeners, he's, cer- he's certainly the one that I have the most time for. Like he's he's a guy I trust so massively. Without mm. going because I'll get what I'm expecting. Like I trust David Fincher, and I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I trust Dave, uh, Steven Soderbergh. And I have no idea what I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but also, like, I think I think this is a movie that a lot of people of our age will have seen, but never, like yeah. me, never thought to go back and watch. And um, I, our listeners, if you if you've seen Aaron Brockovich many 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 years ago, uh, it's on it's on Netflix at the moment. Like, I I would really recommend going and seeing this film again. I'd forgotten how good it is. I guess this this clip just demonstrates just how brilliant the dialogue throughout the film is how, how brilliant the performances are but just just it just keeps on giving like i think you could have picked almost any minute of dialogue from this film and it would have been almost as good as this yeah um i'm interested in why what why you landed on this 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 minute um first of all okay 
So this I would describe as a meta movie minute. I did not watch Erin Brockovich again recently that made me land to this minute. When, like you, I watched Erin Brockovich about 20 years ago, I thought super highly of it, but I hadn't been kind of compelled to go back and watch it. And then a listener sent me a tweet. And in the tweet was this clip of Albert Finney, where they sent it to me because the person who tweeted it was like, this is a great example of uh, someone listening as an actor. And Albert Finney just standing there with the the smirk and with the nod and with the kind of, he knows the punchline she doesn't vibe Mm. that he's got. I took so much joy out of this clip tweeted to me that like it reminded me how much there is this Mark and probably Charlie golden age of cinema of around 1999-2000 where movies were straightforward and solid as a rock and this one it was the peak of them like there are a lot of them that are straightforward and solid as a rock and will take them or leave them there's nothing you can say bad about them but they don't really light your fire and watching this clip reminded me how much this film lights my fire yeah, I mean, when you when you actually describe what this film is, the plot of this movie, which I'm kind of basically going to ask you to do in a minute, it could be a Sunday afternoon BBC drama. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, like, like there is nothing about the the synopsis of this film that that it has any right to be as good as it is. No, and 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 <laughs> if I like, and there's you said it. There's any moment where. And I'm going to say it, Julia Roberts being amazing. Any moment where she is talking at length is a top class cinema moment. There's a bit. Yeah. There's a bit that I could have picked if it had been tweeted at me. I wouldn't have been surprised. But when she when she starts reciting the names and telephone numbers and family histories of all of the people yeah. that she's got, and it just gut punches you. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a staggering piece of work that is so straightforward that it slips under your radar of great pieces of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, let's come back to Julia Roberts later because I've got, you know, some thoughts of my own and, and, and I agree, like, she's incredible. There are so many mic drop moments in this film from Julia Roberts. But there are listeners out there who haven't seen Erin Brockovich. We haven't put this this clip into context yet. Oh, yeah. So so try 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 and uh, explain the context of this clip within the wider movie for anyone who's who's not kind of tuned in to to this this moment yet. Sure. So Erin Brockovich uh, is a uh, as he describes former beauty queen who didn't didn't thrive after after kind of being a bit of a high school celebrity, um, fell pregnant, had has a young family, and is kind of clerking at this law firm. And this law firm, you know, it's not it's not like big fancy law firm. It's it's small town, and the town or some people in the town are suffering from uh, water being made toxic. Which like it staggers me that it's something that is currently happening in the in in parts of America that feel a lot like this film and and this film exists and nobody learned a lesson um but she uh, as a as a member of this community and starts to pick up how important it is that this that this 
be taken forward and the law firm aren't necessarily prepared to fight it because they would be fighting what they consider a losing battle. And it's about this woman building up this really, really strong and important class action lawsuit against uh, a big company, despite like everyone considering it an unwinnable fight. Like it's, it's about kind of drive and passion and moving forward. And this scene is the, um, the, the kind of the head partner of the law firm uh, drop it, br- dropping off her bonus check. And it, like you hear, you hear it in the dialogue, he's dropping off a bonus check. He says, it's not the number you're expecting. And yeah. that fight reflex that she's got. And it's one of the most wonderful things about Julie Roberts in this film. And she, she does it so well. And it does feel like pretty woman, but like without the rest of pretty woman, <laughs> this kind of, I am just going to call you out on your bullshit. Yeah, yeah. voice that Julia Robert has and this energy that she has and she's like she starts to go at him uh, until she looks at the number and obviously here in the clip the number is uh, large and it's, and it's a payoff really to, to something that's been teased well not teased but built up throughout the whole film because we've seen her negotiating her her salary throughout the film like that's part <laughs> of her, her vibe is she, she goes in and she heavily negotiates you know basically she she creates a job for herself in the first place. He doesn't necessarily want to employ her. Then she manages to like negotiate. Him. And in the way that she does it is always like, she's always fighting, always fighting for everyone else, but also, also, also fighting for herself and her kids. And then even at the end when she's getting, it's a two million, is it two million it says on it? Two million, yeah. Such a release, isn't it? As you're watching it, such a release, this kind of exhalation that you, you get through her. It's great. It's interesting that we've uh, ended up at an ending again. It's our fifth end. Well, it's not the very end, but it's our yeah. fifth end- ending out of five episodes of this series. But maybe, maybe this is our endings series uh, <laughs> rather than just the first couple of episodes. But I, I do love an ending that kind of really pays off. And like you're saying, that that release, that kind of, you're rooting for her. You're behind her when she's yelling at him because you, you as the audience haven't seen the, the number on the check either. So in a way, until you see the smirk, you're just as like, you're just as, peed off as she is <laughs> and that's what's kind of enjoyable and I, I and i love about it because uh because she spent so much time fighting even against her own company even like she's had her fights with albert finney in this film mm. that that you don't hate him as well like you don't want to slap him around the face for for drawing this out and teasing her like he knows he knows the number he knows what he's doing yeah he enjoys the fact that he knows a punchline is coming uh, and you don't, you don't hate him for it. And, and I mean, I love Albert Finney for that. And, and in fact, I love Albert Finney in most things. Um, can I highlight another really good Julia Roberts negotiating with Albert Finney uh, moment from this film? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it plays out very, very differently, but it was one of my favorite moments when I rewatched it because uh, basically she quits um, and, and he has to come round and ask for her to come back. So the power balance has changed. And she's lying on the sofa with her youngest child. She's got like a, a, a toddler, or not even a toddler, baby that she's got on. on she's lying back on the sofa and, and the baby's on, on top of her. She says that she'll only come back to the company. By this point, she's, she's holding all the cards. She'll only come back to the, the company if she gets a 10% pay rise plus dental. That's what she's asked for. Mm. Um, and he says, I can't, I can't do that. Like I can do five percent, that's it. And she says nothing. She just plays with her baby for about two seconds, and then he says ten percent and, and dental. 
And I just love that as well as a negation. Like she just basically blanks him, ignores him. She doesn't say a word. Yeah. And he, She's got the card. like you see him playing out the way this conversation is going to go if he has it. And she doesn't even need to say a word by this point. She's 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 placed herself in this position as being such a hard negotiator that he realizes that he he, he doesn't he doesn't even gonna have he's not gonna even have this conversation yeah. with her. She she can just say nothing, and she's done the negotiation. I love that. Love that so much. You describing that moment and me thinking about the whole film is there is this immense amount of of simplicity to it. Like st- I, 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 I don't want to call it simple because I think it's, it's, you know, it's a really detailed movie, but it thrives and it's, it's illustrates this kind of, I can be straightforward and that actually makes my, you know, it makes the fights harder, but it gives me certainty. And yeah. this, this message of, of there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. There are things that are true. There are things that are false. And once I've got certainty, then there's no need for me to, to shift. I can, I can yeah. just, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like my Sandra Bullock hill. I'll, I'll, I'll die on the, the hill that she's the greatest. I was trying to think what was going on apart from Julia Roberts's incredible performance. Um, and, and in terms of maybe from a directing point of view, um, and one of the things that I think is amazing is that apart apart from a teary moment in a car where when when she she realizes that her baby's said the first word and she hasn't been there for it, um, you don't really see very much vulnerability from Vera Bokovich like directly. But what yeah. I noticed actually Stodenberg does is 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 there'll be a switch of a camera angle and you'll get a split second of Julia Roberts pulling a, a sort of a momentarily vulnerable face before she composes herself and goes into battle every yeah. time she gets knocked back. And I love that as well, that kind of like she never, but but she physically turns and the camera angle changes. So, so she has her back to whoever she's speaking to in that split second of vulnerability before she goes into, before she puts the gloves on and goes into every fright. And I love that about her because they never, it's that show don't tell, like they never sort of go, Oh, she's she on the surface. She's this, but underneath she's vulnerable. They never have to do that because yeah. they just show it in a split second before every fight that she goes into. But it's also similar to how they handle her relationship with Aaron Eckhart, which is straightforward. Like it's up and it's down. It's good and it's bad. But it's 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 not the root of the drama of this film. It's not over egged in any way for the purposes of of making it a dramatic relationship. It's it, it it's itself. And it holds all the drama itself. Like, and yeah. when they're lovely, they're lovely. And when they're not, it's it's kind of hard work. Yeah, to the to the extent that they actually don't show the development of the relationship, they they, they do a time jump yeah. from him. You know, they've they've the relationship has started. He's he's more than than an annie at that point. But there's a big time jump before the the, the you know they ultimately um, break up. Um, but yeah, it's not the heart of the film. The heart of the film is is what she's doing and why yeah. she's doing it. But I did promise I wanted to talk about Julia Roberts a bit more. Um, I wrote down uh, when I was watching it that I wrote that she reminds me of Tom Hanks, and and the reason I say that is is she is a incredibly safe pair of hands who who absolutely elevates everything that she's in, and yet never kind of plays those. Uh, I mean, she, I think she did win an Oscar for this, but never wins those kind yeah. of those those Oscar-winning performances in inverted commas. You know, like the 
I know we've talked about it in a positive way, but those kind of Daniel Day Lewis over the top kind of performances, or yes. the playing a part, or play, like putting on a putting on a, a mask or a suit, like becoming someone else or doing an impression of the, someone. The She's, Nicole, the Nicole Kidmanness, the yeah, where I've got to stick on a nose or I've got to change my body. Yeah, or or, or or pretending to be some like she 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 always seems to be a version of Julia Roberts. She always, whatever role she is in whatever movie, is f- fantastic in every moment that she's on screen, and yet like never kind of comes to mind as one of the one of the greats because she's been in lots yeah. of rom coms. She's been in this that, and the other. And you don't it- feel her wattage in this film. You don't feel her. The thing that she's carrying in from Hollywood into this yeah. movie, it it dissipates, and she can turn that on, and she does have that, but yeah. she doesn't. She doesn't bring it into the films. It's the same. It's the same with Pretty Woman and and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> but my only thoughts on that is, I feel like Tom Hanks has been given more a, a bigger range of roles in some ways, and I kind of would like to see Julie Roberts being Julie Roberts in 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 some other stuff. Um, I feel like you look at her her filmography and actually you know she's brilliant in everything that she's in but it seems to be the Soderbergh films where she really really has an opportunity to shine and I include that you know Ocean's Eleven as well but like in his latter years Tom Hanks has been given some kind of quite interesting uh you know more complex more like roles where maybe he's with other cast as well who have kind of given some depth and I'm, I'm thinking Captain Phillips Captain Phillips, that's the one, Captain Phillips. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of want Julie Roberts to get those sorts of roles now. Yeah, it's too, de- it's too depressing to think about it, because the reason why she's not getting the roles is because the roles don't exist. Yeah, uh, like they're, they're 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 not made. It's it's why Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are doing wicked stuff on Netflix. Yeah. But you don't see them in a decent movie, or Diane Keaton like will show up as long as they can put her next to Jack Nicholson, you know, it's depressing as hell because yeah. I would like, I would watch the hell out of any movie Julia Roberts is in and they, and they'll stop getting made. And that's why I raised it because I, I, I see them, like I say, I, 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 I see them both as fabulous actors who are massively safe pair of hands, both Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. And I, and it, and it makes me sad to see that, that she's not getting those roles. Can I give you an example that I saw the other day that, summarizes uh summarizes this and i might have to pull up tom hanks's filmography uh on lesson lessons of how women are treated in hollywood uh, so i saw someone reference this a couple of days ago and it kind of staggered me so as a lead actor tom hanks played oh he's had some great roles oh man i love tom hanks filmography he's just been, he's just He's just been in good movies. This is what I mean. Like when I see them on screen, they're they're both just brilliant and very rarely very far from like never overplaying what they're playing. And yet you look at Tom Hanks movies and you look at Julia Roberts movies, and he's just had better. A, he has a better filmography, and and like you say, it's depressing because Julia Roberts could be in those. You know, could have those roles. She would be fantastic. She would absolutely nail it every time without ever needing to put on a show she does what she does so subtly in the same way that he does so 1988 punchline tom hanks sally field love interests Mm -hmm. 
1994, so six years later, Tom Hanks, Sally Field. Sally Field is Forrest Gump's mum. Oh, no, yeah. It is, it's depressing, isn't it? Six years between them. Love interest, yeah. and then something must have happened. I don't know, maybe her 30th birthday, whatever. Sally Field suddenly Tom Hanks' mum. Yeah, yeah. like young mum and old mum, but... Yeah, bizarre. I mean, it is. And, and, and the, I think the comparison to, between Julia Roberts and Tom kind of hi- highlights that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a depressing thought and, and hopefully very, very, very slowly changing for the better. But there's a long, long, long way to go um, when you look at the state of um, cinema. Since you mentioned Lily Tomlin and you said that she's doing great things on, on Netflix, um, I, I can recommend Grandma, though. As a great yeah. Lily Tomlin film of 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 not so long ago, that's a that's a brilliant uh, film. I mean, she does play a grandma, um, but it, she plays it brilliantly. Um, so that's a little side recommendation. Anyway, back back to Erin Brockovich for a moment because um, I I got us a little bit sidetracked by talking yeah. about Tom Hanks there. Um, one thing that I I absolutely would love to flag about this movie, having rewatched it last night, is a. Uh, Friend of the podcast, Sean Gallagher, who mm. was our first ever guest, Series 2, Episode 3. He spoke about Silence of the Lambs. Uh, listeners, you may remember him. Has this theory that we talk about uh, Jurassic Park on almost every one of our recordings. Um, and I could not help but notice, uh, just to place this film in, 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 the, in a period of time, that we get a very brief shot of the young boy's um, bedroom at the beginning of Erin Brockovich <laughs> and there is the classic Jurassic Park poster that I had on my wall in the young lad he's, it's, the old, it's, the, it's the son I think he's the oldest of her three kids there's the classic Jurassic Park and, uh, and it's quite near the start of the film as well you don't see it again I was like Jurassic Park poster <laughs> so there you go Sean there's your mention of Jurassic Park in the context of Erin Brockovich for your My Movie Minute bingo card we talked a little bit we talked a little bit Charlie about how and I consider a bunch of films in this in this oeuvre of straightforward but uh like such high quality films from around this time period Mm. and part of that is because if i have a couple of movie epochs one is the uh one is the time with the vhs cupboard and the other is the time i was working in blockbusters which is yeah exactly this time and the the uh ex-rental dvd bin of which erin brockovich there were a million copies yeah Traffic's traffic's in there as a Soderbergh film along those same lines around that same time. Arlington Road is one. I don't know if you if you know that film. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I I love Arlington Road. It's amazing. Yeah, like doesn't yeah. set the world on fire, but it's just a really solidly good, slightly potboilery film. Uh, yeah. The Contender. I watched I watched again recently, which is Gary Oldman as a scuzzy American politician doing complete transformations before Winston Churchill. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are there any other films from that that kind of gladiator period? Gladiator, I kind of consider it. It's kind of a solid but film. Films that sort of punch above their weight for for what they are. Like just just films from that period who would the level was good. The level was yeah. a little bit higher than it. Even the worst films were were better. 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you actually said the one that I that I was going to say. So Arlington Road, and I think I have mentioned it on previous podcasts because it was one of my first batch of DVDs that I bought. Yeah, um, it was like I've in the it. bundles, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I had. I so I had like I think I've said the real life list before, but I had like Fight Club, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrel, and Arlington Road, and it was being John Malkovich, and uh, these were these are DVDs that I bought because I wanted to to try new movies and and experiment a little bit around what what kind of a what kind of a person I was, I guess. What kind of a movie watcher was I? I'm not just watching what's on telly anymore. And Arlington Road was one. And it's one that, like like Aaron Brockovich, just does what it does really well. Um, and in a way, like Shawshank. It Shawshank? Comes that American Shawshank, Beauty? Yeah. Like Shawshank doesn't have the right to be as good as it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a slow-moving prison drama about someone who is you know, f- falsely imprisoned, potentially, almost like, almost certainly, and then who escapes. And like, it doesn't have the right to be on like, constantly the top yeah. of like, it gets, gets top of polls constantly. It didn't do very well at the cinema. It did really well on DVD release. Now people say it's like one of the greatest films ever made. No, no fancy special effects, no big set pieces. Um, yeah. The Game, David Fincher film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so... We've talked a lot about Fincher on this podcast. I don't. I, I wouldn't put the game as high up as some of his other films. But I, I guess. I guess I know what I you're mean, saying. I mean, it's like no in, Alien. Re, alien uh, three. Alien three. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Well, shall we? Shall we? Shall we um, pull things back a little bit to to <laughs> shall uh, to, <laughs> to Aaron Brockovich? Let's. <laughs> um, and and let let's focus in on this wonderful scene that you've picked like i said there's so many lovely mic drop moments in this film but this is like the i guess payoff for everything so tell me what is going on in this scene that makes it so spectacularly wonderfully good so this scene specifically i said at the beginning it's a it's a meta moment i picked it or i wanted to talk about it because just watching it as a tweet Felt so special. Uh, But if I'm going to take it further than that and like go back to recalling it, the, the joy that Albert Finney's like expressions, waiting uh, smugness gives me. And the, the, the thing we talked about that, the fidelity of Julia Roberts as Aaron Brockovich, just, giving no hoots and telling it like it is, is such a palate cleanser. It's so refreshing. It's like, it's such a, for a scene that's about one great big bullshit, it's so no bullshit that, that it gives me joy. And going back to something we talked about in the intro, like, you know, I, I, we've done a couple, we've done a few um, directors now where we've done, the same director twice. We've done two Finches, mm. we've done two Soderberghs, we've done two Spielbergs. Uh, assuming this might be the last time you speak about Soderberg, um, I can't guarantee that. <laughs> okay, I'm getting a face, listeners. I'm getting a face. Okay, this is probably not the last time you're going to speak about Soderberg. But thinking about my uh, little movie marathons that I've been doing uh, during during lockdown, um, where I've been sort of doing four or five films either with the same actor or by the same director on a trot, you've mentioned specifically for Soderbergh movies um, in the last couple of 
podcast you talked about it the traffic obviously which was which you started this series with yeah. you've spoken quite a lot about oceans 11 and contagion and also erin brockovich yeah. um, if someone is new to sodenberg and wants to watch like a handful of his movies are, are those the four they should, they should start no, with absolutely not the film to start with because it is the it is a it's a point at which you can go either down his slightly artier movies or down his super popular movies is out of sight. George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, one of the greatest examples of, of like, uh, Mel's sort of problematic, uh, but like incredible, incredible movie chemistry. And the, the plot is tight and exciting and subtle and, uh, brilliant and fun and I think mm. that Steven Soderbergh as a filmmaker has a lot of fun. And so even his most serious films are fun. You can take that film very, very seriously, or you can take it very, very lightly. If one in one direction, you can go straight off and watch Ocean's Eleven, you know, a movie that was a mega hit full of mega stars doing mega star stuff in the most fun way possible. Or you can go the other way and go and watch Solaris or not even the Limey. The Limey is just great fun. Um, you could go and watch Magic Mike on one side or you could go and watch The Informant on the other. Like there's, yeah. there are so many ways you can go and kind of the pivot point is like, which bits of Out of Sight do you like? Do you like the bits where they're flirting with each other or do you like the kind of pace or do you like... Uh, the just incredible quality acting. Indeed, indeed. And, 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 and what about if we're going down, if, if this is the start of our Julia Roberts uh, <laughs> anthology? <laughs> um, I, I must admit, I said at the beginning, she elevates absolutely everything that she's in. And I've now got her filmography up and she was in Valentine's Day. So we can excuse her that one. Um, but I mean, let's, let's, let's have a little rewatch of Hook, shall we? A hundred percent. Like, we don't need we don't need any more we don't need any more Spielberg on this, but uh, I I used to use Hook as one of my um, secret answers for like getting into my bank account because you <laughs> really? know, I rated Hook as a film I enjoyed watching so much, uh, and yeah. yeah, she's part of it and she gives it the sass. Um, like the Pelican Brief. Remember when every John Grisham book was made into a movie? Yeah. Uh, you know, top notch. Top notch. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for bringing this uh this this movie minute along. Um, I hope she listens. I hope she listens and 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 drops us a, a mention in the comments. Yeah, what just Julia Roberts. Well, yeah. I mean, if Julia Roberts listens to this, then then please come on as a guest. That would be that would be awesome. We'd get to <laughs> choose a movie minute as long as it's not something from Valentine's Day. That that's that's, that's There's got to be one good minute in it. If there's a good minute in Valentine's Day, and I must admit I'm rating a movie or that I haven't seen here, but if there's one good minute in Valentine's Day, then it's got to be a minute that she's in, I would say. Not we haven't even talked about Notting Hill. Hugh Grant a thon. Indeed, indeed. Well, um maybe we will have to come back uh and do some my movie minutes that some more my movie minutes that include Julie Roberts because I think we've just uh, solidified ourselves as as, as fanboys. <laughs> yeah, well, like she's never going to unseat Sandra, but she's up there. Thank you for listening to my movie minute. 
As this episode goes out on Monday the 8th of March 2021, we just wanted to say good luck to any listeners who work in UK schools, as this is the day that all UK kids are returning to school. We hope that you will all join us next week for some more movie chat. Why do you hate heart-shaped candy? I think it's because it reminds me that this is Valentine's Day and uh, I'm recently single. We just, we weren't on the same page. It's okay. It's over. Nothing to be done? No, no. I've seen the enemy and the enemy is me. Well, you could go for the stewardess. She seems to like you. I think she likes everybody. That's her job. She looks over here every five seconds. No. Ready? Five. You want to bet on it? I'll bet you a bag of pretzels. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, but hurry, that was a coincidence. Five, four, three. Oh, so it's on three. <laughs> She's gonna come over here. No. Excuse me. <clears throat> Anything? Uh, a bag of pretzels, please. <clears throat>